Hello and welcome to Discipleship Ministries. We're thrilled that you have joined us today to have a conversation around how it is that we are navigating the online worship turf. We know that there are wonderful creative ways that worship is happening in your various communities. And we thought that we would call together uh, some of our friends across the church to talk about how it is that they're holding communities together uh, in the way of worship. We're thrilled to death to have some of the foremost leaders in worship ministries, pastors, laypersons, musicians, etc. We are so glad that they are all with us today. So we're going to just talk a little bit informally about this dilemma that we find ourselves in, especially as we begin to approach Holy Week and the Eastertide season. So we have with us uh, Kim Huang. And uh, Kim, if you will just say hello. Hi, my name is Kim Huang, and I serve at First United Methodist Church in the Heath in Texas. Uh, and I am the music director here at Heath. Thank you, Reverend Byron Thomas. Hello, my name is Byron Thomas, and I serve as the uh, senior pastor at Ben Hill United Methodist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Glad Thank to be with you. you Thank you. Uh, Reverend Andrew Scalen Holmes. Andrew Scanlon Holmes, I serve as the senior pastor at Roberts Park United Methodist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And forgive me for mispronouncing that middle name. Scanlon, is it? Thank you. And we have Heather Williams. Hi, I'm Heather Williams, and I'm the lead pastor of Saratoga Springs United Methodist Church in Saratoga Springs, New York. Welcome, Heather. Reverend Donna Reed. Good afternoon. Good morning. This is uh, Adana Reed, and I am pastor at South Shore United Methodist Church on the southeast side of Chicago. Thank you, Reverend Joseph Stobaugh. Hi, I'm Reverend Joe Stobaugh. I serve as the pastor of modern worship at Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. And prior to that work, I served as the executive minister of worship and arts at the church. Thank you, Reverend Theon Johnson III. Hello, I'm Theon Johnson III, and I serve as the pastor of Downs Memorial United Methodist Church in Oakland, California. Thank you. This is so excited. I feel like we ought to start singing, here's the story of a group of folk. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I want you to also meet uh, the distinguished worship team from Discipleship Ministries some of the most amazing people you ever in life want to know. Uh, and I'm gonna ask them to introduce themselves. Diana. Hi, I'm Diana Sanchez Bouchong, and I am the Director of Music Ministries at Discipleship Ministries, and I'm here to serve. Thank you, Carol Ann. Hi everybody, I'm Carol Ann Smolka, and I'm the coordinator for the worship team at Discipleship Ministries. Thank you, Derek. I'm Derek Weber. I'm uh, Director of Preaching Ministries here with Discipleship Ministries. Thank you. And we have an additional staff person with us, Naomi. I'm Naomi Annandale, and I'm the Director of Research and Strategic Evaluation at Discipleship Ministries. Thank you. I'm Cynthia Wilson. Um, my role is Executive Director for Worship Resources and Director for Liturgical Resources. Uh, and we're going to uh, begin this conversation this morning with a prayer. Um, Dr. Derek will lead us 
And then we'll ask uh, Dr. Diana uh, if she will tell us a little bit more about our process for the morning. Again, welcome, we're glad you're here. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, what an unusual time you have put us in. And yet we are finding new ways, exciting ways, innovative ways to share in worship with your people together and apart. So help us as we discuss our ideas, let us learn and grow with one another and let us always be about bringing honor to your name and glory in your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Yes, good morning, everybody. It's so, it's so great to be with all of you today. What we hope to glean from our conversation today is first, hearing your experiences these last few weeks, what's gone well, what have you learned, what are you doing differently? And second, what do, you, what do your preparations look like right now? We believe that you may have some ideas to share with others, as well as speaking frankly about the challenges you've encountered and how you have worked around them. So let's begin our first, with our first question that we pose to all of you. And um, so here we go. First question, please state your name when you're answering your question. That helps us. Since the quarantine and shelter-in-place mandates have been enacted in your community, what are you doing differently in the area of worship? Well, for me, um, first of all, I, again, Adana Davis-Reed at South Shore UMC in Chicago. Um, we moved worship from our sanctuary, essentially, to my living room. And um, there's no activity going on in the church at all, as recommended by our bishop and, of course, supported by the governor and the president. So uh, that involved um, my taking on the more informal tone in, in how worship is presented. Normally in the sanctuary, I routinely wear a robe. It's a very high church uh, kind of experience. And since we've been in my living room, I wear t-shirts. I'm kind of developing um, a t-shirt of the week. So this week I will be doing probably the Rethink Church um, because we are rethinking church. And the first week we did Church Can Happen Anywhere, which I believe was also from Discipleship Ministries or UMCOM. In any event, the point is, it's, it's a much more informal experience, uh, but we, and we've therefore streamlined um, the order of worship. And many people are really enjoying this new type of experience. So we're excited to see it continue to grow as we um, learn more about the whole process from week to week. It's an ongoing challenge because the parameters and uh, the situation changes almost daily, if not weekly. So at first we started paring down and only live streaming our service. And that's what we're doing right now. But for Holy Week, it's going to be really hard not to break bread literally together. And so what we've been trying to do is find new and creative ways that isn't all online, but also helps form discipleship and connect people to the congregation and to one another. So it changes all the time. 
really does. We're also blessed with a lot of smarter than I am people in my congregation to make sure that tech stuff happens and happens smoothly most of the time. Hi, this is uh, Byron Thomas at Ben Hill. And uh, one of the initial challenges that we had because we had two services, one at uh, 7.30 in the morning and the other one was at 10.45, is um, offering a virtual worship service initially from the sanctuary. And we just decided to split the time and start at 9.15 with the hopes that uh, those who were part of the early morning service um, would feel that we were being sensitive to the fact that they like to worship early. And those who were, uh, of course, accustomed to the latter service, um, it, it would be late enough. It wasn't 7.30, in other words. And so um, we've been very pleased with uh, the response. Uh, quite not just pleased, but actually surprised uh, at the number of people who have joined us each week um, the first uh, Sunday, which was the 15th, we had um, right around 1,300 people who joined us online. The second Sunday, we had about 1,100 people. And this Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, we had uh, 1,700 people join us online. And we are very sensitive to the fact that not all of those are people who are members of Ben Hill, um, but they are people from all over the place. And so even in looking at that, it's affording us uh, opportunities to think anew about how we um, connect or reach or communicate with people who may not be fully accustomed to worship at Ben Hill. So it's not just the Ben Hill members, it's uh, Ben Hill and beyond. Um, in addition to that, um, our governor just put in place um, a shelter in place and our bishop also um, indicated that the buildings are to be completely closed. And so just like one of the other persons indicated earlier that worship is now taking place, uh, I believe from, you said from your living room, uh, this coming Sunday will be the first time that it will take place uh, from my living room and uh, it will be live. But we're also discussing the possibility of having a pre-recorded uh, format going forward. So we're just going to be playing with it. Uh, our challenge uh, during Holy Week is that we're going to be having the service of the seven last words on uh, Friday. And um, we're looking at how we can get uh, seven different preachers from seven different places, uh, probably to um, probably through Zoom um, to uh, still uh, preach the service of the seven last words. Uh, and then finally, we are trying to, um, and during Holy Week, uh, have a noonday prayer and um, have people to, uh, to, to call in at noon. So those are some of the things and challenges that we're presented with. Uh, this is Kim. Uh, so our church is technically uh, challenged. We don't have resources. We're a very small church. So by force, we could not do live service on Sunday. So we actually pre-recorded everything. And our pastor had the foresight of sending out liturgy through email and uh, having YouTube uh, pre-recorded service online for them to actually engage. The good thing about that is, is we don't usually do liturgy on Sunday morning. So <laughs> people actually took that liturgy and they assigned different 
kids or adults in their families to actually do the liturgy before they start playing the YouTube uh, pre-recorded service. Very simplified. And uh, it was a good thing because a lot of people these days are stuck at home or uh, everybody's going online all at the same time on Sunday morning. So there's that kind of challenge. Um, so yeah, we accidentally did it, but it actually turned out really well. And our, our congregate members are more engaged at the fact that they get, everybody gets to participate in the liturgy. Everybody gets to uh, have their way uh, when they could play uh, YouTube and how they engage on that. This is Andrew speaking, and um, we in Roberts Park in uh, Indianapolis are again a church that uh, has very little um, technology available to us at the moment. We're running to catch up in many senses here as well. Um, and whilst I come with a, uh, a set of skills which is helpful in terms of putting productions and things together without the equipment, that's a, a been a, a challenge as well. And like many others, um, our um, ability to travel and stay open as a building is being uh, challenged almost daily now in terms of how we can continue to be present. It's been useful to be able to take the format of the service as we have it with organ and voices and others um, and still provide that. Um, but again, we're not sure how long that will continue and in what way we'd be able to develop that as we move forward. If the uh, um, challenge comes in Holy Week to uh, to literally stay in place. Hi, this is Joe Stowall from Frisco, and the church that I serve is a multi-campus site. So we've got three different campuses, and each one has its own um, set of technical abilities. So one one campus is able to live stream uh, through the internet. The other two are on Facebook Live. So we, uh, in a non-pandemic time, would have eight services a weekend, and we've gone into like simplify mode. So each campus does one service at eleven o'clock. Um, it does their own thing. And then uh, two of us are on Facebook Live. One other one is on, um, uh, as I said, live streaming through the, the internet. So the internet, through the uh, website. And so we uh, then record it and send out, uh, take those recordings about half an hour later and email them out to folks who don't have Facebook accounts or uh, like that. So they have an opportunity to participate in that. And then we've been doing, uh, about two weeks ago, I started doing a midday prayer on Facebook, just using a very simple daily office and music that's uh, in the um, uh, common domain, so we don't have to worry about copyright and all that sort of thing. So that's that's been helpful. Now we've got different staff folks taking one a day and doing that kind of work and just trying to gear up for figuring out how to do this. We started out in the service that I preach, um, we started off Facebook Live for two weeks uh, and doing it live, really super simplified. And then we pre-recorded this last week so that we could add text and all that sort of stuff. So for us, it's a continual evolution. This is Theon, and I appreciate this opportunity to be connected with each of you as we share best practices, as these moments continue to invite from us a new way of being church. I think that most of my colleagues have shared some of the approaches that have been taken by the People Downs Memorial here in Oakland, California for the last few weeks and that there's been a dedicated effort towards really ramping up our digital engagement through utilizing our Facebook Live platform and, and to also use this opportunity to really take a look at how we might build a more robust uh, digital engagement platform and process because 
similar to other colleagues who shared, many of our community members whose first nature is to stay, um, not only to stay in, not to stay in place, but to go out and to show up uh, to the church, there's been a recognition that, wow, we not only have an opportunity to engage in the worship practice and worship life in a new way, oh my gosh, we have an opportunity to realize the value of connecting with newcomers across the city, state, country, and literally around the globe. So thank goodness there has been a presence for, for quite some time uh, through live streaming capacity and ramping that up. But there was also, because of the need to shelter in place, um, a heightened engagement from our online attendance. I would say at least three to six times more people showing up in our online worship services, which for the last two Sundays have been pre-recorded to allow for a more robust engagement and uh, editing and doing things in post that would allow for, for an experience that is a bit more seamless. And with that said, there has been at each moment an opportunity to also direct people towards virtual small group engagement opportunities, right? Online Bible studies, online prayer opportunities. And I also have used at least once a week a moment to engage for the tunes that are in public domain sitting down, having a brief conversation and playing a tune or two on, on the piano. So I've gotten a chance to, to get back on the piano a bit, so. Thank you all for your responses. Did we get everyone? I think we did. So you, some of you are doing uh, the live experience and others are doing the pre-recorded experience. Uh, but in each of those instances, can you tell us what it is that you are learning, what you have learned and what you might do with the information that you're gleaning uh, from the choices that you have made for your congregations. Hi, this is Kim. Uh, I learned that perfection is not for videos, especially in service. <laughs> so we actually have a lot more fun uh, putting together worship and it's a lot more relaxing and uh, people actually engage more at the fact that we're so relaxed. And uh, as much as I'm a perfectionist because I'm innately musician artist at heart, um, perfection is overrated on, uh, on video. I'll never be perfect, it's never gonna happen. So um, I have to settle less for sure. And uh, we just recorded for Palm Sunday worship and super silly. And I think the kids are gonna have a lot of fun engaging with the palms. And hopefully a lot of the adults have permission to also have fun during worship as well. Yeah, I think this is Joe. We've learned a similar sort of thing that uh, sort of calling embracing our analog moments where uh, we have those moments of imperfection, um, things that don't go maybe the way we would be super thrilled if that happened on a Sunday, that those are actually opportunities for people to experience grace uh, and to humanize and all that. We've been really into... Uh, in the, the campuses that I serve, that a less is more vibe is really important for us. And we are not trying to recreate something that we would do on a Sunday morning because 
um, we can't do that well. And there's just something that it's a different opportunity, a different medium, which allows to try some new things. So the pieces that we've been learning and continue to try to improve is how do we create ritual moments for people that they can do at the same time as we're doing, whether it's lighting a candle at the same time or hand washing or things like that. So it's not just like staring at the screen for another hour. Um, and, you know, we're trying to go even from time-wise of shorter services than what we would do live. Like I've cut my sermon time in half uh, just because I think it's, it's a long time to look at, at a talking head. So um, for us, that's been a big learning. Hi, I'm Heather Williams, and I really want to echo what the two of you have just um, articulated because I think when things are on Facebook or on the internet, you can sit for an entire week and watch all of your colleagues' services. And you can super analyze every mistake you've made in your last Sunday's worship service, which I did this past week. But it's not about perfection, you're right. Um, People are not looking for bigger is more, bigger is better from us. I believe as leaders, spiritual leaders at this time, people are looking for a word of hope, a word of um, grace for us to be vulnerable, authentic, and exactly who we are. And less is indeed more. A hard lesson I had to learn last week's service, if I could do it over again, Oh, Jesus, I would love to. But it's done. It's over. And Holy Week will look a whole lot different. Um, It'll be a little bit more basic. And creating ritual is really key, I think. We have an opportunity to help folks create their own ritual in their lives, daily practice of ritual. So I think that's the gift in the midst of all this. This is Andrew speaking. I would echo uh, again what's been said, but I'd also say it's been a great opportunity for us to bring more of our lay folk into worship and to put them uh, front and center, as it were, use their skills, their talents. Um, We had six-year-olds playing piano pieces for us as special music and playing flute and all sorts of things that are doing great in terms of bringing uh, people in to to share in the worship and to lead in the worship. I, I'm, I hear what Joseph was saying earlier, but it's interesting. My uh, congregation is saying they'd like to hear more rather than less, which is an interesting dilemma at the moment as to how much we uh, we look at. Because we cut our worship service, two services down to one service and cut the length down to about 35, 40 minutes. But uh, some people feel they've been a bit shortchanged at the moment and they'd like to hear a bit more of what. What we're doing so we'll have to see how that part works out but the connection part i think is good it's also been really helpful um, i mean apart from the fact that i'm married uh, to another methodist pastor that we can share resources across churches and to use worship resources in two different styles my wife well, leads a, a much different church than mine it meets in a theater it has all the lighting and the sound and everything that you want to play with but of course they're not meeting there now but they have professional musicians with huge studios available to them and they're producing some really, really um, nice pieces of uh, worship. And so we can integrate and share with those as well, which has been a great resource. And it's teaching us about our connectional nature, about who we are, both connected as individuals and connected as churches. I'd like to follow up on that too, um, with regard to the comment that was made about a 40 minute worship. Um, because it highlights what one of the things that I've been learning 
And that is the platform that you use to do your online experience or your streaming experience um, is largely determined by a, um, the audience that you're trying to reach. So uh, we've been doing Facebook Live and that was our first uh, foray into streaming and um, an online presence. And my college age son said, well, you know, mom, um, people aren't going to watch on Facebook longer than about 45 minutes. And because that's not why people are on Facebook. If they're on YouTube, they'll sit and watch a longer um, experience, your full sermon, your full worship. Um, If they're on uh, Twitter or Instagram, they're going to want shorter snippets of information. Um, And Facebook might be a good place to promote something or to market something that would send people either to your website or to uh, your YouTube account. And so when I went back this past Sunday and looked at the analytics, he was exactly right. That um, viewership peaked at about 40, 45 minutes and then slowly started to trickle down until we jumped into, my family went into a praise party at the end because we had talked about hope for the morning um, as we uh, are in this sermon series on Job. And then all of a sudden the viewership went back up uh, when we started playing um, some lively music and so forth. But the point is he was right, 45 minutes to about an hour is max on Facebook Live. Um, I am loving hearing um, about all of you who are recording or editing material that comes in from your uh, lay folks. I haven't quite figured that out yet because I am still on that coronavirus high curve, um, the steep incline of a learning curve to just kind of get all of this under my belt. And since I serve a largely um, elderly congregation, or we'll call them seasoned saints, Uh, their way of plugging in has been primarily through uh, freeconferencecall.com. And so we have a wonderful outpouring of support for that, especially now we're able to incorporate in some of our stick and shut-in members, actually many of them who had previously been left out of worship. Um, but the folks who are watching on Facebook live is a completely, uh, demographic, as someone said, now incorporating multiple times the number that had been coming in through our regular worship, but all over the country. So we're excited about that, but being able to integrate those two, um, groups of people is still something that we're we're working to to manage and uh, so for a while we'll still have to stay with Facebook live because that's how it's working so far it's Andrew again I, I agree with that and the I mean what's been interesting for us is that we had a website um, with a Facebook presence but it was limited we didn't understand what a YouTube account was we've had to 
start with building from scratch, really, to put in a whole social media platform that wasn't there beforehand, um, and to find the skill set within both the team and through in, in our laity that can help us put that in place, because it's just not been there before. Three, four weeks ago, we didn't have any of those things. You know, a, a Facebook page with about 600, 600 followers, which is accelerated up because of our presence online but also um nothing else we we've, we've had to literally um start and build in the whole of the social media platform pretty quickly and yeah, this is uh byron from ben hill one of the things that i found out is um um the real need that people have and desire for some sense of normalcy and offering worship is part of what helps them to maintain some sense of normalcy and some sense of hope as well. Uh, I would not have known this, however, uh, I was calling folks just going through our directory, just calling principally the seniors, uh, but others uh, also, just to check on and see how they're doing. And to a person, they continually talk about, please keep offering worship and, uh, that was uh, something that was very insightful, the deep desire that people have for worship slash normalcy. Um, and so uh, that, that's a big learning. And I'm also encouraged by the willingness of our seniors who have really never been that up on social media before to venture out just so that they can maintain some sense of, of connection. So I'm really encouraged by that. This is Theon. Uh, thank you for your sharing. And I echo what Dr. Thomas has just shared in that these moments provide for us, the community, both at Downs Memorial Church in Oakland, but also across our connection, an opportunity to recognize that our people can learn to be church in new ways, right? That we may not like it, we may not want to do it, but if put in a position where they're choose ye, meet or not, they will choose to say, oh, I will do what I need to do in order to have some opportunity to connect with the divine through the community that has been a source, a wellspring of life for me. And so I've loved the gift of these moments as it's both um, invited an opportunity in time to make teachers, students, and students, teachers, and to allow for an opportunity to expand upon it, and in some cases even begin to tinker with, I wouldn't say challenge, but to, to press against the theological understandings of the church relative to whether it be how, how we are able to gather as a worshiping community. What does communion mean? I know that's a large conversation for so many colleagues and, and and for congregants and how it is that we understand what constitutes church. And I think that this moment has been inviting an opportunity to, to teach the congregation about the power of being responsive to uh, this moment, which involves leveraging the technologies and the skill sets of members of our community that for so long have either been dismissed as 
not who we are or what we do here, but instead have been utilized in this moment as an opportunity to realize, oh, we are just now finding ourselves online and I'm speaking kind of in general here. We've engaged more people than we arguably have engaged in a really long time. What does that mean? And now we have an opportunity to really claim, grapple with what does the future of engagement look like for digital natives for whom the front porch of church isn't usher so-and-so who has on their lovely usher uniform, but the front porch really is the digital porch. And so how can we really make space to honor uh, that witness and to make space to welcome people into that, that platform? So one of the things that I forgot is to say that at the outset of our worship service, uh, I never say sit back and relax and enjoy. What I asked them to do is to lean into the worship experience because it is still worship and worship by its nature is experiential. And so I want them to, in their own space, be involved in it instead of just sitting back and looking at others. And akin to that, I preach with the same energy when there's nobody in the congregation that I do when it's full. And somehow that has been able to transmit. My challenge this week is to see if I can do that from my living room, but I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> yeah, we, we've also um, encouraged people to create a space that is um, specific for their worship. So not just to operate within the space within their house in the way it is, but actually to find a space or create a space, um, which may be, you know, the lighting of a candle, which we can share communally or other things that bring that sense of, uh, of, of the reverence that we need in worship at times. And so we've been encouraging people to, to find space and create space in their own home to do uh, what they need to do. And we differentiate between the preaching on a weekend and our midweek service, which tends to be a little bit more informal and a little bit more of a, 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 a fireside chat um, in style rather than uh, the preaching service of the Sundays. It's not surprising that we've moved from some of the technical issues now into more theoretical. What is church? What are we about? Thank you, Theon, for, for pushing us. And in fact, that's, that's where I'd like to have you go next. And some of you have hinted about engagement and about uh, discipleship and about following up with people. And so what are your thoughts? And they may be early stages because we've been scrambling to get something up, you know, but, but as this goes on, we begin to ask the question, how do we engage with those who are checking in? If, as some of you have said, your numbers have gone way up and you've got new people who've never been there before, are you finding ways to gather names or to get ways to contact them or, or allow them to respond. Um, and in, in the same way, how are you challenging your own congregation to maintain their growth as disciples? You know, how do you do discipleship through worship in this online world that we're in right now? This is Theon. I love what you've shared. So this moment, again, I believe affords us a unique opportunity to leverage not only technology, but to leverage uh, the reality that people from across 
our communities and around the globe are looking for something, right? They are searching, they are seeking new ways, innovative ways to remain connected even in a time of, of social distancing. And I think that this opportunity uh, of helping folks remember that we are engaged in a worship experience that invites us to engage uh, as opposed to watching something on a movie on, on, on our television or on our tablet uh, is, is a critical component. One example, last night we had a smaller group gathering for younger adults on Sunday morning for our worship experience, which is the language that I've used always. Uh, we had uh, a family join us from New Zealand who happened to be uh, connected to a congregant, uh, but because their congregation in New Zealand is not being, they really quit. They were choosing to just halt, to suspend their Sunday uh, morning worship experiences, joined us. And this person's parents joined us. Uh, this person's uh, parents live in Japan. We, I did the work of inviting, hey, we've got a younger adult small group that's meeting on Wednesday evenings. I know that's going to be Thursday afternoon for you, but we would love to welcome you here. Last night, we log on. We've got 15, 16 of our younger adults there. And who are two among these folks? Our furthest uh, people who are part of the smaller group engagement experience were tuning in, were checking in live with us from New Zealand. Like the point is that if this is an opportunity for us to realize that church is wherever people find life, uh, we have a unique opportunity in this moment to, to rope in in a way that some of our, some mega churches or other large ministries that have significantly robust budgets to invest in kind of technology and to do work of innovation, uh, we have an opportunity to do that as well. Uh, because of this, uh, we're living in a moment of civic and social innovation. If our churches are anything less than hubs of spiritual innovation, we will struggle to be responsive to the unique needs of people in this moment. So, uh, Eric, in response to your uh, query, um, we have a noonday Bible study on Wednesday, and it's principally our seniors. And this past uh, Wednesday, we did it via free conference call. Uh, we usually have 30 to 40 seniors participating because they are the most dedicated um, and committed to that class. What we found out is that um, we didn't have enough room uh, for people, even though we had capacity for 100 people, we did not have enough room. There was like seven people who could not get on. And so in terms of opportunity for discipleship, um, we're collecting the names because we're asking individuals to call in a few minutes ahead of time and then throughout the week maintain connection. But also for us, the challenge is when this is all over with, how do we maintain this digital format? Because those persons who cannot attend because of illness or some other reason, they still want to participate in that noonday Bible study. And we've done the, the same with respect to our fast track Bible studies in the evening as well. 
on that same point or uh, a similar vein, uh, we found that this crisis that has uh, overwhelmed the globe has really prompted us to put reactivate some systems that were already in place, like the Wesleyan uh, class system. So our congregation um, has been broken down according to birth months for years to extend hospitality on any given Sunday afternoon after church. So we decided to reactivate that system of accountability, that system of outreach um, that had really kind of um, dwindled down to those individuals who would be providing hospitality on any given Sunday. Now there's um, outreach among those groups with intentionality so that nobody will fall through the cracks during this season. Um, as far as discipleship is concerned, that's increasing the level of engagement across the entire congregation because people are being uh, reached out to, and then there are those who are doing the reaching who previously might not have. In addition, because we were trying to get everybody engaged or notified of our new ways of worshiping, either through uh, the phone calls um, process or by Facebook online, uh, Facebook Live, there was a major full court press in terms of um, phone calls that were going on to make sure that everybody understood what was happening. Well, that process itself drew more people in than otherwise had been involved in the ongoing life of the church in a while. So um, we started out with uh, far more people engaged in this kind of um, off-site ministry than had been uh, prior to this experience um, taking place in the first place. Um, as far as Bible studies are concerned, as uh, Brother Thomas just shared, we have more people now engaged in um, our Bible study experiences that are happening online. Before it was, well, those few people who were doing um, Bible studies in the church, we know that they are kind of a small group in and of themselves. But now because every, even that is being redefined, more people are, are finding that they can plug in, that these systems that previously might have been closed or perceived to be closed are now being opened up and they're being perceived in a whole new way. So it's exciting to, uh, to welcome new people in, in this way. Uh, this is Kim. Uh, so because I'm not a pastor of the church, I don't know all the details, but this is what I heard. So I'm going to gospel a little bit. Um, I heard that our Wednesday group is meeting by, via Zoom and continuing on their life group. And uh, I know that our choir members, my choir members, as well as others, are connecting each other through phone calls and just keeping, up, uh, keep, keeping in check. Seniors, shut-ins, uh, we call them and ask them to see if we could help them. And I know we help them in that way. As the music director position, I have very little to offer. So um, somebody had asked, uh, 
we really want to hear all the old hymns. So we actually did a hymn sing online live and they requested all the songs prior or during and that actually engaged more people than uh, our Wednesday um, prayer, prayer uh, devotion that my pastor does, our, uh, our worship uh, online. I think uh, it engaged more seniors in our church than anything else because of copyright issues, we could only do public domain songs, which means old hymns. And somebody actually gave me a call the morning after saying, these are the songs that I sang when I was, yay, hi. And <laughs> these are very you know, shut-in people. And it was really, uh, and they're asking for more. Um, it's been exciting, it's been encouraging, and people are getting discipled through hymns. Uh, and the, the old theology, I don't want to say old theology, but the old language theology and people are engaging that way in a new, I feel like in a new way, maybe familiar way. Um, so that's what I offered and actually somebody requested, so therefore I did. And it's actually, uh, it's actually doing really, really good. It was very encouraging all around. Jim, I, I would agree. This is Andrew again, that um, our, our choir director is the, uh, done some really creative things as well and put the list together on Spotify and asked people to just go and listen to those and created a whole um, community around that. And of course, as you rightly say, you know, we uh, teach our theology through our music. And so a lot of the hymns are, are still very helpful in terms of training and helping people. One of the things that uh, we've also looked at trying to develop, which again comes out of that um, look back at the class system was finding people who now volunteer uh, not just to phone and meet with people but actually to go out and do uh, some really practical parts of what we're looking at throughout lent we've been re-examining our church mission statement and looking at components of the mission statement about in terms of how that prepares us as disciples and so it's been a really uh, interesting exercise for us now um, this Sunday as we look at Palm Sunday coming up uh, we're looking at um, a compassion and uh, serving with compassion which is a, uh, a phrase from our mission statement and it's been interesting to see how people have engaged with all of that online and um, then offered back through Facebook chats and other things the um, practical ways in which they are putting that into practice in their own lives at this point and and so we're seeing an almost uh, immediate feedback from some of the teaching which has been a, an interesting exercise because we don't always get that when we're just uh, being preaching in in our normal service i've had a similar experience in putting those opportunities for people to react uh together as a community in the comments in the middle of the sermon and uh and it's fun to get that immediate feedback i'm also struck too at the uh, variety of um media that we have available to us. Like I would say, is, and I've made more phone calls in the last two weeks as someone who just lives on a cell phone all the time, like actual phone calls than I've probably ever made in my career. And it's been wonderful to connect with people in that way. About a month ago, I was planning actually to start a Tuesday night um, Zoom Bible study, but geared towards the scripture that's coming up that we're going to be examining in worship the next week. So it's something that we've gotten together uh, 
with folks and it's an open invitation. And so it started off with folks who are just in our community. And last Tuesday, is that just yesterday? I don't even, I don't even know what day it is. But uh, we had folks from New York to Oregon. And so we practiced a little Lectio Divina together. And then I'm able to take some of those things and put that into the sermons and reflections from the community. But one of the things that I was so encouraged with uh, this last Tuesday night was um, a woman articulated pretty much uh, the priesthood of all believers and how this was, but without using that term, how this was this, she realized sort of like the first time in her life that she's dependent upon the clergy to do this for her. And now she's getting these tools and this passion to take her own discipleship to the next level. And it was, that became an echoing thing throughout this call. And it was just such an exciting thing to see that people are like, wait a minute, I can do this. I've got, and, and, and feeling this draw and this call uh, to improve their discipleship and to go deeper. And it was really encouraging. I'm Heather. And I really agree with a lot of what all of you are saying. And I believe that people, if we're available and we're open for people's feedback and response, they tell us what they need to nurture their own spirit, to stay rooted and grounded for such a season as this that we're in. Um, some folks can contribute musically, and you can use those to send out an email so people can stay rooted and grounded during the week. We have an artist who's been painting through Lent, and we still have we still record her for worship because that's brought a lot of people a sense of comfort through these times. We have other folks who are so ready and willing and able to go and help others. I think everybody's spiritual journey, as we all know, is so different and so unique to them. But if we listen, and if we're available, and if we're there making all those phone calls, and just be just providing opportunity, people will share with us what they need. We just have to listen, I think. Okay, well, I, I have a question that um, is... So, sort of a technical question, but it's it's also sort of not a technical question, and I think it it really speaks to how we see um, uh, the kind of the role of of um, uh, the data that we collect for ourselves. So my the technical question is um, how are you all measuring participation in worship? Um, and, you know, um, uh, you know, are you looking at um, how long somebody spends on their uh, worship time, um, as um, one of you mentioned? Uh, are you just counting? But also, what does, what is that, um, what do those numbers mean for you in the work that you're doing as, as a leader? Um, and how will you use them? This is Andrew speaking. Um, we were given guidance a little while ago through our conference superintendent that uh, in terms of doing church returns at the moment, uh, we could either choose to not declare, in which case an average would be used, or that we could count the number of people who watched a live event only and not any recorded event, which kind of is interesting to work out what that means in terms of um, how do we use that in uh, in you know watching the figures climb on a, a Facebook live and peaking in the number that's the peak of it or um, seeing how many people if we look at the analytics stay on for more than 50% of the time of the um, recording 
I'm I'm still struggling, if I'm honest, with uh, how we make sense of um, figures that, in some parts of it, just seem quite arbitrary. Um, because, uh, like others, we have seen an extension. Um, our recorded services um, after a week are around two thousand, two and a half thousand people have seen them. And when you look at the analytics, some of that is quite, you know, 1,300 of those saw the whole thing. Well, that's, you know, far more than we would ever have in, in our building at the moment. So it, it's an interesting um, problem. And I, uh, I look forward to hearing what people have got to say about it. Yeah, for, this is Byron Thomas from Ben Hill again. We are on the, the front end of this, um, uh, like Andrew indicated, um, you know, we had um, not only a significant number of viewing live, um, and it's the taped views that were also high. And what that means is that either word of mouth or some digital uh, communication is taking place saying, you need to look at that, whether that's family member. And it goes back to the issue of meaning for me. Um, if, um, you know, those numbers that um, are, are watching the tape piece of it um, are significant also, um, you know, I, I just think that it indicates that we may be doing something correct but um, how we follow up on that, the pen nail it, we, we, we're still in discussion about that. This, this is Steve. Is, from, oh, please go ahead, please go oh, ahead. Sorry. One of the things I was discussing with a group of clergy in my area is, um, and they're very small upstate New York churches, and they were expressing some of the angst about numbers. And some of the angst that they're experiencing is watching, because it's on Facebook Live, right? You can see who's viewing it or commenting. You can see who's liking it. And so if your worship service is on Facebook Live at the same time as the former pastors in a new appointment, and your current church folks are choosing to watch that service, versus the congregation and the pastor who now serves that. So the numbers sometimes can cause some anxiety for folks to think they have to do it better or bigger or different or something. I encourage them to not really look at all of that at this moment because it was causing so much anxiety, but to look at the people that actually engaged them through that through that post or that through the um, live stream like the other day my mother commented on facebook video that i put on a live facebook event and she said good job heather i really liked it and i said you're my mother you have to say that and but the truth of the matter is she said actually i didn't have to watch it at all So finding hope and, and strength for ourselves in the midst of this difficult task for so many who have never done technology is, um, is really daunting, I think. Somebody used the word catapulted earlier in, into this new season, and um, 
Yeah. Other than that, we look at the analytics and see how many people were engaging and how many people are being inspired to um, follow a path, do something new. So a little bit more narrative, Naomi, than numerical, but. This is the uh, Downs Memorial in Oakland again. I've heard some folks say catapulted. I think other folks say people have been dragged into this moment. And uh, interesting image because I've also heard uh, one say that pain will push us until a vision pulls us. Um, I, I think that this moment is inviting an opportunity to think strategically about the very question itself. I mean, what's the point of asking that question? Like, sure, it matters on one level, but in the grand scheme of things, as we think about engaging people for the sake of God's witness through Christ Jesus of Nazareth, as we think about the power that we are experiencing of, of our seasoned saints, as I heard it shared, and newcomers alike engaging in new and innovative ways, the, the good old story. I, this person joined, this person wasn't there. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about uh, getting bogged down in those details at, at some level because I, I think that it is a moving target at this point. We are uh, still discerning, at least in the community where I currently serve, what it means to, to think about these, uh, look at the analytics, think about the, the data points alongside the reality that we do have people who are showing up and saying, you know, five hours later, the next day, oh my goodness, you need to go back and be present for our worship experience, which again, I think to circle back to the language, I'm so glad you shared it. It's exactly how I've talked about this. Like, If this is more than just my favorite TV show that I'm watching around a book with a bowl of popcorn, but really an invitation into a worship moment and experience uh, that whether it happens live and I track that number or if it happens to be uh, that the someone is tuned in at midnight, right? Uh, I think whenever it happens, that moment of encountering the divine, that it's a good moment. And I, I think that we still need to, we're still working through how to track uh, and in the most robust of way, uh, what we have historically tracked in terms of attendance, which is, who's present in this very moment. Uh, this is Kim. And thank you so much, Reverend Johnson, for saying that, because as a music director, I don't kind of care about numbers as long as my core choir members are there and singing along. Um, that said, I feel like my pastor would love the numbers that we get on YouTube or Facebook and just add it there. But all in all, um, I feel like maybe this is too spiritual. I don't know. I feel like as long as they engage and the Holy Spirit is with, with them and with us, um, and the number is kept in the heaven, I think that's more than enough for, at least for me. And at the fact that they're engaged via, um, via Facebook feed, or if they cannot do it because their fingers won't work for them, as someone said, they give me a call or 
just leave a message of encouraging words that they want this to happen more, that it is so refining for them. Um, that for me is more than enough. It's, it goes beyond the numbers, but it is important as I, I understand as senior pastors, numbers are very important, um, especially at this time of the year. And it, it might be that we have the surge of just membership um, <laughs> in all of our churches. Uh, so it, it might be really great. But thank you for saying that, uh, Reverend Johnson, because um, I didn't know how to respond to this because I don't have to keep numbers. I uh, pastored a church in the United Kingdom that had to discern its future um, because of falling numbers. And one of the things that we were trying to do was look at fresh, ex fresh expressions and how we might repackage the church, as it were. And um, we struggled to find a definition that would work with a group of people to start with. And so in the end, um, we eventually came up with church is where people gather to make God known to themselves and visible to others. And that was it. Where people gather to make God known to themselves and visible to others. And if nothing, this past three weeks has reignited how we as a church make God known to ourselves and visible to others. And I think in, if I'm honest, if I put my sort of academic hat on a little bit, people are going through their own ethnographic study. They are joining into communities and looking at how um, engaging they may be or how they fit within a, a profile that they might have in their own mind. And we're seeing how people change in terms of their understanding of what church might look like or be like. And uh, if nothing, I think we've, we've got this real opportunity to, uh, to find ways, not just through our technology, though that is the focus at the moment, but find ways to continue to make God known to ourselves and visible to others. I think we find ourselves at a real interesting point um, where we have to recognize that this moment has many of us, particularly clergy at the top of a mountain where we're experiencing um, what appears to be tremendous growth and an opportunity to really focus on kingdom building as opposed to church building. When we were uh, located in our buildings, many of us, whether it's a movie theater or um, a traditional uh, church um, edifice, we still could allow ourselves to focus on church building. And any amount of discipleship or outreach was about bringing people into that space. Now, because there is no lo uh, physical location, we can focus on what it means to proclaim the goodness of God to anyone, anywhere. So we can have someone um, worshiping with us from New Zealand and really rejoice in that fact. Um, and so the question is gonna be, well, what happens when we come down off the mountain and go back into our buildings. 
Are we still able to rejoice in the impact that we've had and, and figure out a way to continue that impact, even if when we really look at those analytics, we find that so many of those people that we're reaching have no possibility of coming into our building. What's, what does that do about um, our worship life together? What does that do um, to our understanding of what it means to be church at that point when we have, have spent however many weeks this is gonna be in building this um, virtual congregation. Um, and so as I'm learning more about how to interpret the analytics, I, uh, I'm really struggling with that issue because some have asked, well, okay, it's great that we're online, but what is this gonna mean when we have to actually go back to where we were? And, and then the question is, can we ever really, as a church, go back to where we were? And I think um, more and more of us are recognizing that we're doing something new and novel right now, but this is going to be a catalytic moment for all of us and we'll never really be able to go back. This is Theon from Oakland again. I just wanna highlight again, thank you for bringing it up again. That's exactly why I led with what I led. I think that the question itself is due potentially for an overhaul. This is Joe from Frisco and I would just echo all of those things. That's one of the things that I'm wrestling with. It's like, what is what are we learning from this? What is the thing that we can go forward that's gonna change it? Because I think in some level, some of the metrics that we were looking at and dealing with before the pandemic were not actually that functionally useful for telling the story of what God is doing. And the last the last three weeks, I feel like I'm working, geez, just as hard as I ever was before, but the work feels like it really matters now. And I find myself going like, this is the essential task of ministry. Yeah. What in the world was I doing 12 hours a day before this? And so I, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I'm really hopeful that we will be able to, to get some folks who can help us kind of piece this thing together. And what are the things that we really need to be measuring, uh, such as that is for moving into doing the work that we really need to be doing um, to be the church where we are today. I just want to add to that just quickly. That is so unbelievably exciting for me. When I see the multiple ways that our church is now um, making God known not only among ourselves, but visible to everyone else, because now we can see that they're watching, literally. Um, that's just so exciting. Whether any of those people ever come back into the building or not. And uh, to my brother who said, well, gee, I hope I can be as energized and excited in my living room than I am in, in the worship space. I really get I think almost even more excited because I don't know who's watching. And the idea that there could be so many people who are now getting exposed um, to God through what we are doing and to the love of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, that just blows my mind every week. And it's so exciting. And so I, I'm looking forward to your having that kind of experience too for the first time this week. Andrew, again, if I could, um, without sort of dragging us down a little bit, finance has been a really good indicator as well. 
Um, learning about online giving and in invoking online giving has had a huge impact uh, in a different way. People responding to the feeding programs that we do for the homeless and others, the gifts that are coming in, um, it's just a whole new area as well that um, we are having to work with. So not that it uh, um, is the be all and end all, but it's an interesting part of uh, all of this process is to learn about how people give um, through uh, online means. Well, can I just follow up on that and draw a bridge between that comment and the one that was shared by Brother Johnson earlier when he said that um, there's a question as to whether people are sitting around with a bowl of popcorn and perceiving this is just another TV show. If we're talking about reaching new people for Christ and folks who aren't really understanding why it is that they give because they're early on in the discipleship process. Um, we haven't really experienced that yet, the, the influx of online giving. And so um, I'm wondering how long did it take you, um, Brother Holmes, to, to get to that point where you're seeing that kind of influx and not the other, which is the passive, let me just receive this online. And I, there's no accountability. People don't know who I am. I'm anonymous. Um, the, yeah. the answer the answer to that in short is one week. Because after our first transmission, uh, as it were, um, I asked for comments and what was gone. And uh, typically, somebody said, um, you didn't ask for an offering. Mm. And it, because I didn't see how that was practical. Um, so we began the second week talking about the ministries, the fact that the daycare is still open, still operating in the center of Indianapolis. We're serving those whose children, you know, are on the front line, the children that are needed and our feeding program that's still needed and blah, blah. And made it very clear there was now an opportunity on our website to give, that we put all of that in place. And we saw re results immediately. I think I could probably listening to listen to all of you uh, another hour or so. We promised that we would uh, only take up uh, a, a short amount of your time, an hour and 15 minutes, and we're at that place. We really wanted to give you an opportunity to ask questions of each other, um, but I don't I don't want to presume that you can continue the conversation. I will say uh, that with your permission, we will share each of your um, contact addresses with, with all of you so that you can continue the conversation as you feel the need. And um, I will say, LaDonna, that the general secretary, uh, Junius Dawson, is going to be dancing when he hears your comment about not trying to fix churches but really beginning to build a kingdom. He's going to uh, be <laughs> dancing. Uh, if you can imagine Junior's dancing. Um, but I, want, I, I don't want to close without, um, if there's anything that anybody really feels pressed to share before we uh, close this uh, vigorous conversation with prayer, is there anything else that you would want to, to add before we finish? Uh, just a little comment of a friend of mine who just finished three months of missionary work in New Zealand. And uh, 
in God's work, she ended up living with me as, as coronavirus just really ramped up in Dallas. And she's ha she has been in contact with her um, missionary friends from New Zealand. And time after time, she, she is so thankful that she has an opportunity to serve with, I just asked her to play the piano for me because I know she's a great pianist. Um, but she's so grateful that out of all of her uh, colleagues, she's the only one that's actually serving in this capacity. Yeah. Every other missionary is, they're, they're out of work. <laughs> they can't do what they were trained to do. Um, so constantly she's thinking, I'm like, I'm just glad that you're here <laughs> to serve. But she's so glad that she has an opportunity to serve in this way. Thank you, Kim, for that comment. Uh, that resonates, I think, with all of our hearts. Just to, to be given an opportunity to do what we've been called to do. What a blessing. Um, again, to our guests today, uh, Kim, Byron, um, Andrew, Heather, Adana, Joe, Theon, thank you so much for your yes today. Thank you for sharing this valuable time. I know that you all have lots of stuff that you could be doing. I know you all have Zoom calls as soon as we hang up, but uh, we want you to know that we are deeply appreciative of this conversation. I want to remind each of you, along with others who might be listening to this conversation, that you can find information on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. But we want you to also know that we don't feel ourselves to be the end-all being of questions that you might have around issues of worship or celebrations and how it is that you navigate the turf during this very uncertain time. We know that you have ideas as well, as you have well heard today. And so anything that you want to share with us, please don't hesitate to send us a note, send us an email, send us a text. Let us know what you're doing and allow us to share it with others who are anxious to hear what some options might be during this uh, depressed time. We want you to be encouraged and know that uh, if we don't know anything else, we know the end of the story. Uh, so be not deceived, God is not mocked. Those things that we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Loose some joy, loose some faith, loose some understanding, send out some virtual hugs and love on somebody as best you can uh, during this time. Again, we love you and we appreciate you so, so much. We're praying for you in your ministries and uh, we believe that because God is not a woman or a man that God would lie, nor the son of man that God would need to repent, God is no shorter than God's word. And God has promised to be with us always, even till the end of the earth. I'm just saying. So Derek, you're going to close us out, I believe, with a word of prayer uh, as far as next steps. Again, you will all be hearing from us. And we will be bothering you again. Thank you so much. Dr. Derek, lead us out. Well, let me say first that uh, one of the things we hope to do is to find out what our next conversation would be. And I think our last few comments pointed us in that direction. What happens when we can gather back again? What right. would the 
like then maybe that's where we need to talk. Yeah. But we have this prayer that that I learned from the church I attend, West End, but has been online. It's the Lord's Prayer, but spread out a little bit to, to contemplate each statement a little bit. Where you eat, does everyone have that in front of them? Did that get emailed out? I think I think we didn't get a chance to say. Okay, it. that's fine. So um, if you would just pray in your hearts the Lord's Prayer, but pause at the end of each sentence for another statement to enter us into this moment. So shall we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mystery beyond our knowing, close to us as our breathing, in humble awe we pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your vision of justice and mercy would be made real in our world even now. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray for your vision of enough, enough sustenance, enough warmth, enough healing for all of your children. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray for the grace to let go of that which deals in death as we embrace your vision for life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us to follow you more closely, that we might dwell in the safety of your everlasting arms. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We give you thanks for your presence here and now and in the life to come. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Be safe. Wash those hands and go with God. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.